Man. Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by Elec A25. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB wait, 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 60 wait, wait, AM. Wait. Oh, God, finish here. And the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talk about all the news in the world of sports. Apparently, the board and veto has already moved over to the potential new studios. Wait, so my question is, when did we get a disclaimer before our show? What do you I say that offends people? to be there more often than not. We just kind of skip it. Uh, so did we yeah, screw, have questionable topics did to we talk like about screw up so, last I mean, I week? Think a lot of people will agree with a lot of no, the stories I, well, and stuff you guys look, do. Jason, Jason's offensive in general, but what, why are we get? <laughs> why are we getting? I mean, this makes no sense. Maybe we screwed up last week, Jeff. I don't know. You know what? This is the perfect. Maybe we're time. not really moving to a new studio. They're just moving us out of this so, studio. So, so I decided to do something this week. So you you told me uh, um, a couple days ago that you sent me an article that Ronaldo. That the value of Coke went down by what was it four billion dollars because he dissed it on the air. He so said now no. Gonna, uh, he said agua, right? No Coca-Cola. So, so, so now we're going to we're going to make that value go right back up. <laughs> so, you're going to drink it on the so, air. So everybody looks. I'm drinking. We're not getting paid everybody for this or anything look on the radio. I, I'm, I'm, well, no, we do this. Jeff, Facebook Jeff thing is too. Go, yeah, that's definitely going to raise the market value by four so, billion. So dollars, now we're going to see whether our show has the same impact as Ronaldo. So for our listeners, Jeff is desperate to not talk about the one topic that anybody actually cares about in this Campbell city Walker? right now before tonight. And I'm probably going to let him get away with it for the first five <laughs> minutes of the show until we have our first guest, Dion Dawkins. Wait, I do have a question about this for for everybody who wants to hate right now because because they can't root right now. The Celtics made a trade that makes absolutely no sense. Well, it's a larger story than the trade. What's the larger story? Well, you said it when we were prepping earlier. See, again, you waste all your good stuff before we get on the air. The larger story is that Brad Brad Stevens moved upstairs to the GM. To make a bad trade? When he should have moved out years ago, and now Kemba Walker wanted out, and they had no leverage, so they brought back Al Horford. So enjoy that, Celtics fans. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Look, I, I don't really, I don't really understand. What, I didn't. First of all, I didn't even know you could make trades while the playoffs are going <laughs> me on. Me either. Yeah. I, I, I generally. How often does that happen? Virtually never. Well, we're seeing a lot of things that don't normally happen right now, Jeff. Like what? Twenty-six point leads. Twenty-six point leads go away. Uh, one shot from your star max player in the fourth quarter of four combined games. Take a list of what it is. What am I pointing to? You're pointing to heart, and I hate questioning that, but... Too bad. Whoa, whoa. I hate it, too. But it is clear he is afraid to touch the basketball on offense. It's clear. Here's the thing. He took the... You just called him the max contract guy for the Sixers. He makes more than anybody else on this team, and he took one shot. And by the way, he's afraid of the ball because he's afraid to go to the line. And after the game, what did he say? He said it's a mental thing. He just shot himself in the Jeff, foot. He took one shot. That's the only shot he's took in the fourth quarter because of the last he's afraid. four games. Not because only, he doesn't want to touch the basketball because he, he knows he's going to get fouled. And, because, and so now... To take free throws. <laughs> we went through this last week. I can't We even. go through it and we've done it since he got here, but he's getting progressively worse. So everybody so wh- knows... So which is worse? Markel Fultz situation... That everybody kept saying was in his head, where he couldn't shoot, or Ben Simmons' They're both situation. Horrible. 
So They're what is it? What terrible. is it about? Look, what is it about this? You city? were texting me. <laughs> what is it about this t- you organization? Were texting me. We were talking about the hackabend that went on, and we'll get more into the game after we have Deion Dawkins on left tackle for the Bills in a minute. I just don't want to get too deep into it, but you know, it, it, we went back to Hackashack, okay? Yeah. And they're doing Hackabend. Even with Hackashack, they didn't do that in the first half. This was the first half of the second quarter, Jeff, mm-hmm. and they're hacking Ben Simmons to put him on the line. To get in his head more, and I think it's in the head of the team now. Oh, I think it's so, a too. Larger they're issue they're than afraid ben. to move the ball around. Yeah. That's the problem. All so, you saw was a two-man game with Steph Curry, with yeah. Steph Curry and— Because it's like, get it to one of them and get him to the foul, and get him to the foul line or get him to shoot right away before they can touch Ben. There was, I've never seen anything like this in no the entire movement. history of the NBA. The entire roster for the Sixers outside of Seth Curry and Joel Embiid— did not score a field goal in the second half of the game the other night. You have to try to make that happen, Jeff. They did, because they were trying to make sure that the ball didn't go anywhere near Ben Simmons. Look, the series should have been over. They led by 13 at the half and lost by three in game four. They led by 22 at the half, lost by three in game five. They had a 99.5% win probability at one point in game five. And look, they didn't make a shot for more than six minutes down the stretch. Mm-hmm. It's the fourth biggest NBA playoff comeback ever. I just don't understand. You can keep going on with records, by the way. I can. They said yeah, so so many don't records. do it. Don't but, do it. But I'm not second don't guessing here because I texted you at the start of the fourth because Doc did what he does that I can't stand all the time. He kept them beat on the bench and let them back in the game, and then they couldn't stop the momentum. So is this a, is this also a Doc Rivers problem? Could, because I heard that I think five of the worst eight collapses in the last couple of years were all Doc Rivers coach games. It it is a Doc Rivers and player problem. But yeah, he's not exempt from this. I didn't think that he coached an excellent game. He didn't get any more motion in the offense. He didn't do anything else to change that. I thought he left the bench in way too long. I don't want to hear Tobias and four other guys out there. It, you know, when Embiid and Seth Curry was at, were out there, they were playing well. They weren't out there. And if, you, if you're telling me Embiid's tired, sit him when you, when you stick to a big lead at that point. Don't sit him where all of a sudden they come back and now all of a sudden there's nothing that you can do to, about it. Why don't we leave it there? Why don't we talk positive? Talk positive? Yes. You like to talk positive? I do like to talk positive. I like to talk positive. Uh, great to be joined by starting left tackle for the Buffalo Bills, Deion Dawkins. Kid from Rawway. How you doing, man? What's up, man? How you doing today? Uh, we are fantastic. Good to have a Jersey guy on the show. Nice to of have you. Of course, Jason can't pronounce Rawway. You want to try it one more I time? I can't pronounce anything. Come on, man. I'm a, I'm a South Jersey kid. I'm a Jersey City guy. So I screw I know. up North Jersey right. names all the time. Don't worry. I'm good like that. Oh, <laughs> good. Dion, it, it's great to have you on. You, you played your college ball at Temple here in the city, and, and you're coming back to do some great things. And we want to talk about that. We want to talk a little bit about your career. And so... We'll start with the community side, and then we'll get to the football side. Tell us about what's going on with Dion's Dreamers and and how this is your thing that you're carrying out every day. Man, Dion's Dreamers is uh, is evolving slowly, um, but kind of fastly. You know, um, I was always a people person. I enjoy making people smile, and uh, when Dion's Dreamers first was was a uh, like born, it was during COVID, so I really couldn't be hands-on with uh, 
the kids and the people who I wanted to be on hands with because of COVID and nobody like really knew what was really like, like going on. So it kind of steered in its own direction. But uh, as of now, like uh, I just been trying to just jump into c- communities that um, made me, which was Rawway, Philly and Buffalo. And um, with those cities, uh, I just been trying to give back to the real core people there that make Philly and make Rawway and make Jersey, Jersey. You know, you just mentioned three places that are known for the big C community. And, and so what made you want to do Dion Dreamers? And, and what is what what motivated you to give back to the communities that you're in? Well, it wasn't really a motivation, man. It was just um, it, like, it was just love. Like it was just what's right. Like, you know, without those places. I wouldn't be me and I wouldn't be in a position that I'm in to even give back in the way that I could. And um, it's simply just doing how my heart feels and doing what's, what's best that me and my team come, come up with. And we think is honestly the right approach. All right. Well, we had, I don't know if you know this, but we had on one of your offensive line buddies uh, about a month and a half ago, Ryan Bates. And, and okay. it's, it seems like y- your team spends a lot of time giving back to the community and using your yeah. platform for positive. And, and from yeah. what I've read about you is that you seem really proud of the organization you're a part of and, and the way that they act in community and the way they look for character guys. W- what, is, what is it about Buffalo and about the Buffalo Bills organization that, that brings out the best in people? Well, Buffalo... And the organization in itself, simply they truly allow you to be yourself. Like coming in and from Philly, I was just a kid with blonde hair and, and frosted tips that came in and was talking about snow, snow, snow. And nobody had no idea what it was, but they didn't frown upon it. They, they said, well, look, this is our a new guy and we're going to ride with him. And they've been riding with me ever since. And uh, they allow every player that comes through those doors and signs that signs on that paper that they are allowed to be their true self and they are allowed to express themselves in the ways that they express themselves. Like we got guys on our team that write poetry, that 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 writes music, that sings, that draws, that you know shoots shoots arrows that does all type of stuff and the the ownership allows us to just be us and that's one thing that i can you know harp on that i can definitely say is not the same way everywhere else in the country does the whole team at least come together for buffalo wings <laughs> look at you true absolutely and Jeff. it's always blue cheese over ranch i'm gonna tell you that right now all right well then i got <laughs> i got so you you've been in philly you've been in buffalo Cheesesteak yes, or buffalo wings? Oh, God. That's oh, tough. you can't do me. I'm like, that, that's two different types of food. Jeff Come asked the hard-hitting. Jeff asked the hard. Yes. Jeff asked the hard-hitting food I'm questions. But I'm, I'm going to definitely say this. I'm going to say wings can definitely be an appetizer, 
and cheesesteak can definitely be an entree. You My have a, man. You have a political career where My you are man. done with Look, football. I sit on a fence all day long on this show. Well played there. I appreciate that answer. I wanted to ask you, you, <laughs> you've been in the area. You've seen passionate fan bases. Tell me about Bill's Mafia. Bill's Mafia is is one in its own, man. It's just uh, it's the most craziest fan base in the world, honestly. Like, Bills Mafia is basically a fan base that feels like they are a fan base of a college team, almost like where it feels like I'm playing in an SEC game for Alabama. Like, the Mafia just rides for you, man. Like, they truly just ride for you. They are truly it. They are crazy in every good way possible. They jump through tables. They set things on fire. They try to do it the safest way and that they could possibly do it to express themselves. And that goes back into the circle of expressing yourself and being accepted for expressing yourself. The Bills Mafia expressed herself by shooting ketchup and mustard and, and jumping through through freaking tables. And nobody what a, frowns what a, at What a waste of ketchup and mustard. <laughs> what, a, and what a waste, right? <laughs> like, like if you have burgers and, and, and hot dogs, like you can just hold your burger up and, and get a nice little, you feel me? I'm going to look for the Instagram live of you jumping through tables for sure. Uh, No, for sure. I I did want to ask you, what's it like to play with and protect Josh Allen? I mean, he's a a rising star in the NFL, and you you get to go there and and keep him safe through the game. What's that like for you? Well, Josh Allen is uh, amazing, and uh, truly that. You know, he's a – I call him a big kid, but he's he's like my little brother, and – He's growing, man. He's growing fast. It's extremely fun, but sometimes it's hard because you never know where he's going to be because he's always running around and jumping over people and stiff-arming guys. But um, Josh is Josh, and uh, I couldn't be any more happier to and protect a kid that has the fire and the passion that he does to to just want to win. And uh, Josh is truly Josh, man, and I'm rocking with him till, till the end of this thing. So, you know, you talk about being a kid. What's it like when an offensive lineman catches two touchdown passes? I saw Cole Beasley say, your skills, you're a little guy in a big guy's body. I think his calves are the Absolutely. size of my waist. Dude is a freak athlete. <laughs> What's it like when an when an offensive lineman catches a, a touchdown, and what was your celebration like? Man, uh, catching a touchdown is a childhood dream. You Like, you dream about catching touchdowns like when you're a kid like nobody dreams about oh like I want to be the best blocker like no everybody dreams about catching touchdowns running into the end zone scoring and dancing and uh I'm one of those guys and from Jersey and and from everybody that's that's from Jersey or or knows like the east coast like we we dance and we're not afraid to dance so if I ever get in the end zone for these next years uh you're going to continue to see me move my feet and uh, that's one thing that uh, I take very, very seriously, and I will always, you know, do my dance while I'm in the end zone. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> putting points up on the board. We talked to the OG in in, in Icky Woods a while back about uh, his end zone dance. Do you actually work it out beforehand? <laughs> um, honestly, it's the thought is there. Yes, so I would lie <laughs> if I say that it's not. So the the thought is definitely there, but I can say this. Even with the thought, like sometimes the emotion just takes over you 
and you just do whatever your body feels like needs to, to be done. You know, one of the things that uh, we noticed about you was the fact that you've been a captain on the last two Bills teams. Uh, in talking yeah. to, to lots of players, it, being a captain means a lot, and there's a lot of responsibility in the locker room. What was it like yeah. for you to be named as a captain, and how seriously do you take it? Well, I take it extremely serious. Uh, I'm I'm for and the people, and uh, I take it very, very serious that my teammates can come to me and open up and speak. And I think that that's one thing about being a captain is being a person that a lot of different characters and a lot of different personalities can relate to. Not only the dominance factor of being a captain, it goes more into depth with how you can relay and give off information to grown men. And um, I take it extremely serious. Um, and I, I cherish every moment that I have that C on in my chest. There's a lot of people in the NFL that don't get the opportunity to wear it, and I'm blessed and truly honored to be able to wear it for those two seasons like so far that I've had it. Before we get back and finish with the event at Temple that you have gone, I got to ask, I mentioned you're big on Instagram Live. You had somebody ask about officiating their wedding. Now, I know you couldn't do that because of COVID, but you still made it. <laughs> special one you ever think you get that ask and two what was that like to be able to participate in your own way man i would have never thought in any year that somebody would ask me to be in their wedding uh from a fan base but that's just buffalo man and and from hearing that you know that was kind of like heaven's gates because there's so many other people that like that have asked and i feel so bad because i want to you know make everybody's wedding special but you know for the reality and i can't for everybody but uh it's it's truly uh honor to even be looked at as somebody that somebody even wants to be at their wedding like as a celebrity guest or whatever the uh the the aura of of it is but you know it's just like it just shows why buffalo is so special and how much the football team and the sports teams in Buffalo mean to the community. And I'm just honored to be one of those guys where people can relate to, smile at, laugh at, and love on. Well, tomorrow we're honored to have you back in our community. Can you tell us what you're going to be doing tomorrow and what we all can do to help you out? Not just tomorrow, but going forward. Well, um, we, we can start with tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm having a food drive, uh, at my, Amamata Temple University on 10th and Diamond, where it'll literally be like a drive-through. Uh, there's going to be tables set up on the uh, side of, of of the road, and for anybody who needs a meal, they can just come, grab bags, go through the express line, and uh, have a car full of groceries uh, for free. And uh, you, like whether you need it, what, like whether you want to come and grab it and bring it to to somebody who can't get there and pick it up, come on down and and pick it up. And uh, definitely, it goes further than you would ever know. Like there's so many people that are out here that are struggling and that are afraid to open up and tell the world that they're like struggling because of the look of what it might like look like. And if people like would just understand that the world isn't perfect and people make mistakes and the world is extremely hard. Like everybody can use a helping hand 
and that's literally a helping hand. But if you want to help in the future, just go to Dion's Dreamers. Uh, there's tabs where you can donate and volunteer and just just track along what I'm doing next and what me and my team is doing next to uh, get this thing done and for this world to kind of be just a pinch of a better place. Deion Dawkins, we look forward to spreading the word about all the stuff you're doing and look forward to hopefully keeping in touch as you go forward doing great things. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate it so much. You guys stay safe and uh, definitely blue cheese over ranch if you ever make it up to <laughs> Buffalo. We're coming. And, uh, enjoy. I love how you brought it back to food. Have a great one. For sure. Adios. Jeff, you ask the hardest-hitting questions about food every time. You bring your A game right. when it comes to food questions. Hey, he, he gave an answer. I mean, he, we, we asked Jack Elliott, and, and he, all he had to the people. He, he in, wasn't taking a side on the, fish the and chips. In, or, people in England weren't listening. He could have gotten away with just saying cheesesteak. He totally could have. Another athlete who gets <clears> it. <throat> they get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he totally he remembers where he came from. He remembers the places that helped and made him. And he's making sure that they have the same opportunities that he did. Good on him. You know, I got to tell you, when, when we get approached with, with people like Dion, when we look to like what their stories are, you get excited to have them on. Yeah. Because it's just a constant reminder. I mean, we all go through this work week and we just get worn down. And I'm kind of glad that we have our show on Friday and that we do the way we do it. Because it's just like at the end of a week, you've been beaten down, you've had all this stuff go on in your life, and all of a sudden you turn it on, and you got you got somebody like Dion Dawkins to just kind of root for. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a Bills fan per se. I, I mean, but you're a Dion fan now. Yeah, I mean, you'll root for him because of what he's doing, and he's doing it the well, right so way. So far, we're rooting for two fifths of the offensive line, right? Yeah, I, your new goal. You didn't ask him. I thought you were going to hit him up to try and put in a word to get the rest of the Bulls I was, offensive I line. I was going to, but you said I was we disappointed. Had to go. I thought you were going to take one for the team there and make sure that you know we we could hear everything mm-hmm. and and have them you know come on the show and tell their sides of the story. Yeah, but you I, weren't I just, there. But he, I mean, the, what I mean, what's important is for this weekend is what he's doing this weekend. And then he's going to keep paying it forward. And if you have a chance that you can help with Dion's Dreamers, do it. I mean, there's we we all have a lot going on, but get down there and do something. Yeah, there's no way to transition back to sports because that was a good story in our sports. What, are not see, good right see now. so now now you can't go back to your ranting about the team. I can. I'm going to go back the there in a second, but I'm going to have another good story for a second. Jim Curtin gets a two year contract renewal. Yeah, and because of that, I have something positive to say other than the other sports news going on here in the city. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> this three week layoff. If you, would, if you would have told me five years ago, I'd be dying because soccer, soccer. Is, is is has this layoff for three weeks. And all I keep going is when I check every day on that MLS app. When do they come back? If when you, can we see them again? If you could stand for 90, 90 minutes, you'd definitely be in the Sons of Ben by now. <laughs> Actually, it's easier for me to stand and sit at my age. <laughs> but no, I mean, good for Coach. I mean, he's – we've said a few times – of the people who know that he's the coach here, he's got to be their most popular coach. Can, can, you know, can they have a game like on a Friday starting at like four o'clock so we could just do it live from in there? That would be fun. Their next one's Sunday. So they're back at it against Atlanta this week. Tough matchup for them. Yeah, that is a tough matchup. But, but speaking of Atlanta. Well, wait, 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 wait. No. See, you don't go there. If that was an, uh, by the way, I would like to. That think, was not even a planned transition was, and it I worked. Was, 
perfectly. I was just going to say, it, I, it would be nice if you were clever enough to come up with that. But nope, you I just, just got totally lucky. fell into I got that completely thing. lucky there. But but before we do that, keep in mind, it, the, the best matchup of the Atlanta Union game is probably going to be the post-game handshake. Yes. We got to see what, what Curtin does there. <laughs> we, we definitely have to see. Because he filled us on when he was on a couple weeks ago about what happened with no handshake, which is what led to the... <laughs> he comments after the game, which may have led to him being so endeared that he got a two-year extension. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it was. He became, he was a Philly guy. Yeah. All right, let's let's go back to the the team playing Atlanta tonight. Obviously, who Sixers game six. I want to take a step uh, back because we jumped right into the game. You're bringing people down. How much is this? You is, don't care. How much of this is the impact listeners? Of Danny just listen. Green you don't care. Out? I do care. That's the problem. I do care. If I so didn't care, I'd turn it off and not be bothered. So don't bring it which up. Which I thought you were going to do the other night before the end of the game what i think it was just your excuse to, to get bed? me to stop texting you what as the game was ending you're like I'm, i can't watch this because you were working yeah. and and so i thought you were turning it off yeah but you stayed up to keep watching it no no because no. you texted no. me back no i think it was just your way of not having me text you anymore. no 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 i was you ghosted me i needed i needed to get work done <laughs> and i said i'm turning this off and you kept texting me you ghosted, and me. i was like now i gotta turn this game back on and i gotta turn on a game that he's clearly aggravated and he thinks he needs me to be just as aggravated if not more you needed to be just as aggravated if why because it was a disaster why do on i every need to level. suffer why because honestly it makes people question everything about this team if they're up 20 points tonight you're gonna feel comfortable 26 uh, whatever it is, it could be up 30. You're going to feel comfortable? No, I'm not. Absolutely. I'll tell you how I'll feel comfortable if Doc Rivers doesn't play all the backups together. And I'll feel comfortable if we get to the, the second half, if they're up by 20, and Ben Simmons sits the rest of the game. I'm dead serious. I, I know it's the most ridiculous thing to say, and I know people are going to say that it's an overreaction. But if the Sixers go up by 20, Ben Simmons should not be in the game. Okay. Period. Before Vito has a question for us, and I'll, I'll let him ask us the question, but mm -hmm. missed free throws this postseason. Oh, here we go with your stats. The it, Atlanta it, Hawks, you are such a downer. As a team, have missed 35. The Phoenix Suns, as a team, have missed 29. The Brooklyn Nets, as a team, have missed 22. Ben Simmons, as one player, has missed 45. I think Ben Simmons has missed more free throws than Steve Nash missed in his entire career. He's the second worst free throw percentage by a player in a single playoff run behind only Ben Wallace. It's, so so he's got that going for him. He's averaging just 11 points a game. And look, he's not the only problem. We all thought that Tobias kind of moved past what he was, but where was he in the last people, game? People Did you are see texting the missing me signs? going, yay, that you, you got to talk Sixers. <laughs> That's right. See? Yeah, people are literally taunting me. Yes, they are, mm -hmm. because they think that you're wrong, like usual. Because I couldn't get three football guests. If well, I had gotten one more, I could have had a whole if football show. If you worked show. a little harder for the show, it would have been okay. But now you're going to have to talk to me about this. I don't know what you want. You're, you're, you're spinning out stats at me. What I'm do you want me to do? I'm giving you facts, and it's unfortunate that there isn't facts That's to come right. back to. I hate to tell you, I have no other side in this. It, do you, you think want, they win tonight? Probably. Okay. They may win the series. But you know what? I can't take this. So you're just checked out as a fan. No, I'll, I'm probably stupid enough that I'll watch yes, it. Yes, you're going to torture but it, but yourself, it, but it, and you're going to text me while you do it. 
Don't even try to lie to the listeners and say that you're I not going to watch it. I just lose my phone You're tonight. just going to tell me you're not maybe watching I can the game ha- so you maybe don't have I to can, talk to me. Maybe I can give my phone to your kid and he can walk around with it and hide it in a cushion. Well, we're supposed to hang out after the show, but apparently that's hey, not happening either. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, by the way, before we yeah. go to break, oh, so Vito has a question, but... We're all supposed to also supposed to have champagne here in the studio, Jeff. It's, you don't see it. I don't see the champagne. This is supposedly. We I heard the, it's on ice for you. It's the, waiting. We are it's waiting the last, across the street at the new studio. We, because what do you mean at the new studio? We, we are apparently the last we're the, show. We're it. in this. We're, 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 we're going on. A, we're going on a road trip, Jeff. Next week, you're not coming here. I won't see you in this building at five 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 ever again. Do you Jeff, want to bet? Jeff and I are prepared with a tabletop <laughs> fold out on the, on the corner. Vito, what's your question before we go to break? All right. So Jeff had brought up about the trying to keep the bench guys off the floor. So yes, we need the bench players off. So are we going to see oh, work probably four of the five starters playing forty plus minutes tonight? They have to. They, you can't take them off. No, because that one of those would be Ben Simmons. Well, that it's going to be a question what he does. Here's my thing. I'd rather than put Maxi on the court because at least he's not going to be afraid of the moment. Right. He may miss shots, mm-hmm. but he won't look like a deer in a headlight. They looked lost. You could see them get tighter as the game went on. As the Hawks bench got more into it, as Trey Young drained three-pointer after three-pointer, you could see the fear All in right. their I, eyes. I got, I got a question for you. If if this, if this that would have been the elimination game and the season was over for the Sixers. Oh, my God. No, no. Hold on. Hold on. How little value would our max star have? He already has a problem with like, value. Do, do you do you think that they can now get what they could have gotten if they had no, made this and, decision and look, before I, this season? I've told people this before we were in this situation in the playoffs. People forget. Daryl Morey. By the way, I just got the best text. Can you say it on the air? Maybe you should give your phone to Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl Morey tried to Bravo, trade Randall. Ben Simmons. He thought he had traded him. Yeah. Houston just didn't call back. Uh-huh. You think he's keeping him this offseason? For who? I think he's traded back basketballs right now. Uh, I think so. I mean, that's not an accurate thing, but I, the I, frustration I, on the on the face of the coaches look, with what goes on. There is one thing that that people, fans in Philadelphia cannot tolerate, and it's not lack of skill. It's lack of effort. It is lack of, but it, no, no. It's more than that. It's it's lack of mental toughness. So for some reason, we sit there and we revere somebody like Aaron Rowan because he smashed his face into a wall. He's literally a legend because he smashed his face into a wall. That's it. And maybe you should have judged it better, but he smashed his face into details. A wall. When you have somebody who makes hundreds of millions of dollars, who has no other, I mean, I don't know about his personal life, but he doesn't have the kind of concerns that we all have to make sure that we can provide for our family because his, his generations, if he handles his money right, if he just puts it in the bank and earns interest, he's fine, is to focus on going outside and shooting free throws until he can make them. And if you have the hand-eye coordination of a professional athlete that you could make it to the level that he can – then you should be able to, through repetition and enough practice, be able to hit more than thirty percent of your free throws. If he would have, I'm hit. I'm positive that if that if I had you go outside, eat, yes, even you, even me, I'm giving you credit now. <laughs> Look at that! And just went out and shot a hundred free throws every day. That within a month, 
you're going to hit more than 50%, 60% of free throws. But you've seen me dribble before. Do you think that would get better? Uh, I, I didn't. Or just the free throws? I, no, no. The dribbling through the legs will not get <laughs> The dribbling through your legs by accident <laughs> as you fall down <laughs> is not going to get any better. I'm going to leave everybody with that visual. Let's head to break. When we come back, we've got plenty more to talk about. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. You say... Jeff, we're back on the air now. Oh, okay. Jeff forgets how to do radio. When the ad ends, it means the show begins again. So the conversation you're having throughout the break continues on to the air. Yes, what we were talking about is... So I'm going to let you say the the quote. Our board op came in to show us a video, which I meant to ask you about before we went to break. Of 2017, Ben Simmons was asked about Hackaban, and he said, it's not going to happen because I'm going to get better at foul shooting or something to that effect. It hasn't. <laughs> and that was four years ago, about the same time we were told that we were moving out of our studio in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I've been here for three years, Jeff. Yep. You're- and so we've we've now heard for four years that Ben Simmons is going to get better. I did want to ask you, uh, Danny Green it's out to, now. By the way, it's about practice. Are they, are they we're gonna, talking about practice. Are they going to win tonight? They're going to have a game yes, seven Yes, they're going to win tonight. Yeah, and then are they going to win and game seven And it's not going to be a blowout. It's going to be close. It's not going to so be. I'm going to have a ton of anxiety. And, and then they're going to, yeah, it's, it's look, it's on the road. Okay. I don't know. Have they gone out for the lemon pepper wings? Oh, God, you had to go there. Yeah. Okay, I, I haven't got mine yet. So I wanted to ask you, I'll leave the Sixers there. I'll, I'll, I'll move on. Um, <laughs> ton of injuries in the playoffs, just like there have been in the regular season. And star guys. I mean, Anthony Davis was lost to the Lakers. Nuggets lost Jamal Murray. You've got... Kyrie still out. You've had Harden in and out. Danny Green out. Chris Paul now out in COVID protocols. Kawhi out with potentially an ACL. You were fine injury. until you added Danny Green to, to the list of well, stars each team that are out. Has a player that they rely oh, on. Oh yeah, but you were talking about stars, out. and then all and they don't rely on Danny. And Green. this week, LeBron James came out as the most vo- whether you like it or not, the most vocal player. And basically said, I told you so. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. What, what did he say? Well, he, he said it, but he said it for himself. He said it because he's old. Well, That's why he said it. But he was wasn't he... saying it because he thought everybody else was going to. He said it because of his self-interest, and that's what LeBron does. They all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players. He didn't. He wanted to protect the himself. The benefit of our game. Well, by protecting himself, that's they fine. Protected other game. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that he's wrong. I'm telling you that his motivation for saying it was to he was he's an older player and he selfishly wanted to start later so that he would be ready for the playoffs. So that he would that they would, that it would come back and there wouldn't be a competitive advantage against him. That's why he said it. Is he right that there are more injuries? Yeah, we all knew that was going to happen. If you have less rest and your body has less less rest, well, you're going to be more prone to injury. Of course, that's the case. But who would have thought that the one man standing or the one of the few men standing would be Kevin Durant? Of all people, he's the one. And when I asked somebody in the know in basketball, why is that? They said, because he knew. He rested. Because he was resting. Yes. 
he rested his body to yeah. be ready for now. And he played the full game the other night, putting up 49 points for the Nets in an amazing effort. And then the Bucks come back and force a Game 7. So, so let me ask you a question. If James Harden were here right now, forget all the nonsense that he did before. I don't know if you saw, there was a point in the game where James Harden got, stole the ball and had a clear path to the basket if he sprinted and immediately stopped turned around, stood there, and waited for everybody to run at the court. And they said the reason that he did that is because the groin injury he has, that if he were to try that burst, that he knows that that could be it for him for the playoffs, that he'd be done. How do you think people in Philadelphia would react if they saw him not run up the court? I'm just curious. It's a, it, it, it was a very polarizing okay. move, but, it, but in the long run, it is the smart move. I just don't know how people would perceive it. I think that they would react the way that fans in Philadelphia typically do react to those types of situations. Of course they would. Of course they would. Are you enjoying the other series? I mean, Clippers take the lead on the Jazz with Kawhi out. I am. Huge Paul George game. You able to stay up late night for those games? Uh, I'm I'm enjoying the highlights. How's that? I love how I don't even let you get away with it anymore. Yeah. And you don't even try. You're like, yeah, I watch No, I there's like. no point. Oh, my goodness. Everybody knows me well enough to know that. Can, I'm not staying up till midnight. Uh, who who do you think wins game seven <laughs> against the, the Bucks and Nets? At this point? Yeah. I think the Bucks. So you think the Bucks win that? I do. It, it, you think Kyrie plays in game seven? No. So they're without him. Not unless they flatten the world. Joe- <laughs> then he doesn't have to worry about twisting his ankle. <laughs> Joe Harris is the guy that, that's kind of disappeared in that series, and, and he's somebody they could use. What happened to Landry Shamit that he doesn't play? I don't know. He's in the coach's doghouse or something. How could that be? They could use his shooting right now. You One would think. Speaking of coach firings and resignations, a lot of coaching changes this week. Jeff Scott Brooks out in Washington. Stan Van Gundy out in New Orleans. Mike Rick Carlisle resigns from the Mavs. Who would they all? Usually when this happens, it means that there's somebody out there that they're all wrangling for. I worry Sam Cassell is one of them. And I think Why he, are you worried about it? Well, because I think he's one of the assistant coaches that's helping some of these players. How's he helping them? Who's he helping? Well, in theory. Okay, who's he helping? Well, he's working on Ben's mind. <laughs> Seriously, he's, if he's helping the point guards, if, he, if he's supposed to be... He was supposed well, he's to, not a miracle worker. He was supposed to be the disciplinarian, wasn't he? Oh, I I just saw. I, I was going to try and surprise you guys. Look what we got the, in the, the studio for you. I looked through the glass and yeah. I saw champagne over there, Jeff. Oh, I caught good for them. you. They they have the the yeah. champagne. So yes, they're very excited to get us out of here so they can close I the shop. I think down. I'm just going to cry. <laughs> um, okay. Actually, it's my eye getting ready because if you pop the champagne, I'm going to be blinded anyway. So. Anything else from the playoffs surprise you? The Suns are already waiting. They're going to have a ton of rest, possibly a week's rest. Uh, clip uh, as Clippers Jazz keep beating as, each other up. Are they just going to be the prohibitive favorite at this point? Yeah, as long as Chris with Paul Coach can Monty, play with Coach Monty Williams. Yes, as long as Chris Paul can play, he is the straw that starts to drink out there. Yes, without he, a doubt, he, it's an, it is amazing how much he has led to that team. Being he was the one piece that they needed, and it wasn't just his skill; it was his leadership. Let me ask you. What frustrates you more these days, watching a basketball game or watching a baseball game? Basketball, you have nonstop fouls to try and put people on the line. Baseball, you have shifts and pitching changes, and nobody can go more than— It's because it's everything. Because it it seems like—look, you know how much I love baseball. I do, which is— It seems like every single move they make is the wrong one. 
They the cannot win. The game is like a shell of, of what it was right now. It and is. I don't understand. And it's so frustrating to watch because everything doesn't, you know, the, this whole thing, now this whole thing with the sticky substances and, and, and banning them and the player, it's n- nobody's likable through that whole situation. Garrett Cole comes on and he's asked, are you using it? Oh, uh, I don't think this is the right time to answer that question. Okay, then we know the answer, don't we? How okay. about the player who blamed Major League Baseball for stopping cheating on him getting well, hurt? Well, that's it. He said he said that he had to change, which which is an acknowledgement that he was using something. Now, it may not have been spider tack, which nobody ever heard of before a couple of weeks ago, or it may be, you know, one of the things they said it was sunscreen. I don't know about you. Every time I put sunscreen on, I can't hold anything. It makes it more slippery. And yeah. Luke Williams said last week, the difference between the balls, you're asking them to grab it, and it feels like a pool ball in terms of how slippery. So why don't it they fix the ball? Well, that's what I don't understand. What? Why don't they make that change as opposed? Just change to- the texture of the leather. It shouldn't be that hard. All right, we'll leave baseball talk there because I-, I can't tell you how excited it's football I am. and rugby time again. It is. We are so excited to be joined by Nate Ebner, three-time Super Bowl champion, Olympic rugby player, and now author of the new book, Finish Strong, A Father's Code and a Son's Path. All right, Nate, so what does it feel like to have author added to that bio of all those accomplishments? Uh, thanks for having me, first of all. But, uh, no, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it was a fun project. It uh took quite a lot of time but ultimately it was uh you know something that was in a way therapeutic for me so i I really enjoyed the project and uh i hope people enjoy it you know nate it's more than just a a project this is a book that hits close to home for a lot of people especially you what was it like going through the process of writing that book and, and living those memories about your dad and you uh, like I said, it was therapeutic. I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot of tough memories that you got to go through and talk about. Um, but in a way there were, there were so many good things and, and I also kind of gained a respect uh, and learned more about who my dad was and, and how awesome of a parent he was and how lucky I was to have him. And like I said, gain, gain some respect for how he handled me and, um, you know, did it in such a graceful way. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of a lot of good stuff, and it was uh, like I said, therapeutic is, is a good way to put it. I saw something that said this is an astonishing story about what a father will do for his son and what a son will do for his father. The thing I found fascinating about the book is rather than being a book about sports, and there's there's plenty of it in there, it seems like you use sports as the tool to tell the story of the relationship that that you and your dad had. Um, can you talk about how you tried to tell your family story through the lens of the sports that you're involved in? Yeah, I mean, that was a big point to me, uh, especially when I spoke with the publishing company and the writer that, you know, this to me was a story about my dad and, and, uh, you know, how awesome of a parent I had. Um, The sports story is obviously a cool, unique one. Unlike many others, a lot of cool stuff happened, but ultimately it was the vessel for the story of my relationship with my dad and, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think of myself as a pretty normal person, uh, some, you know, with a little mental fortitude and, and some grit about me, but I got those things, you know, through my dad, which, you know, we talk about in the title is, is the father's code. And through that code, I was able to go on a pretty cool journey, the, the son's path part. And, um, yeah, I was able to do some really amazing things 
um, through the things that he taught me. And, and that was the story to me um, more than, you know, what, how bright the lights were during the Super Bowl and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, that was, that was the most important part for me. You know, most people know you through your success, your Super Bowls with the Patriots and as a football player and now being on the Giants. But it seemed to me that your, your real sports passion is rugby. And and that seems yeah. to come from your your dad and and the passion he had. Can you talk about your experience with him and rugby? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of allude to that in the book. You know, rugby, you know, football was something that grabbed onto me and 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 has been a great part of my life. But rugby always had my heart, and it was something that I started with at a really young age. I was exposed to really my entire life, and. uh yeah, at a very young age, I started to become pretty good at it. And, you know, as any anyone does in life, when you are good at something, you gravitate towards it. And uh, rugby was something that was, you know, always a major part of my life. Um, and uh, because of circumstances, I, I ended up going to play football. But like I said, rugby had my heart. And when, for instance, it, it got put into the Olympics, it was really – not much of a question for me. It was something I felt compelled and, uh, you know, convicted in my decision to do. And um, it's, it's just always been a part of me. And that relationship between my father and, I, and myself, you know, rugby really flamed that relationship in the sense that it was something we shared, you know, almost in different ways. He, he was a violent guy. Um, I kind of grew to love rugby for, for the beauty of the, the game. But, um, you know, towards the end, it was something we got to share together rather than, uh, you know, me loving it because he loved it. He he let me love it in my own way. And I think that was what was so beautiful about, you know, how he parented and things of that nature. So, you know, like I said, rugby has, has been there through and through, and uh, it really will always be a part of my life. And despite football being your career, you were able to somehow still continue to play rugby to the point that you made the Olympics. What was it like for you to, to go out there and be there for opening ceremonies in 2016 and, and represent your country? Yeah, I mean, look, I was four years into my NFL career, just finished my rookie contract, uh, just finished talking with Bill Belichick about signing a second contract. But amongst that, I said, you know, Bill, this, you know, the rugby's in the Olympics and it's something I've, I've absolutely have to do. And I would have understood if, if he would have said, no, you know, this is putting you at risk and this isn't good for the team. I would have understood that. But it was ultimately something I felt I had to do. Um, you know, in a way, I'm not big into destiny, but if there ever was destiny for someone who grew up their entire life playing a sport, it hasn't been in the Olympics for 100 years almost. Uh, for me to be in my athletic prime, for the United States to qualify, uh, when no one in the world thought we'd even qualify for the Olympics. Uh, all those stars aligned perfectly for me. And, um, you know, it was something towards the end, as we got closer to the Olympics, that I, I really didn't have a choice in that decision. So once I made the team and got to go to the Olympics and, you know, go to those opening ceremonies and, you know, walk in, into a stadium on a different continent where they don't even speak English and the roar that came out when we walked out as the United States, uh, that really hit hard. You know, not only because of all the times I've represented the United States and put on a USA jersey um, previously to that point, but, you know, all the traveling I've done around the world has given me an appreciation for the United States 
and then to hear this country full of people that don't know anything about us seriously like that, it really showed me what I'm representing and how much bigger this whole thing is than myself. And, and to be a part of stuff like that um, is a type of memory I, I'll never lose and, and I'll, I'll always remember. It was uh, an amazing experience. So now you're out training, trying to go back for a second time to the Olympics this year. What would it mean for you to have the chance to go back again? Um, you know, this time around, things are different. Um, first off, I've kind of got some personal injury issues I'm working through. But aside from that, um, you know, I know what I'm coming into this time around. I, I was a little more prepared from an endurance standpoint because it was such a physical task to to switch gears from football to, to rugby where you're nonstop. So uh, I was a little more prepared in that respect. I was a little more prepared into the systems playing on the national team. I had obviously been in the Olympics before, so I kind of knew how we operated. Um, all of that the first time around was a major learning curve. So this time around, I'm a little more prepared, but I'd say the motivation was more based on the fact that we didn't get a medal in, in 2016, and I, and I really thought we had the team to do so. I think everyone did. And uh, we came up just a bit short in the in the pool games, and um, you know I think when I look back at my career, uh, one of the bigger things that bothers me is when someone accidentally says to me, you know, oh you're the guy that you know you won a medal in the Olympics for rugby, and I have to correct them and tell them, you know, no, we didn't win a medal. So I've always wanted to write that wrong, and you know, big picture wise, I just want that for rugby in the U.S. I want us to to win a medal. I want us to kind of grab the eyes and hearts of, of Americans and, and see how hard we're working and how good of a team we have. And I want that for rugby. I, I want that success um, to just continue and, and be one of the best you know, nations in the world in the rugby game, not only in sevens, but hopefully transition that into the 15th World Cup. And it's all about growing the sport, whether I'm on that team and help us get a medal or you know help prepare the team that's selected and um, hopefully we put our best foot forward and, and we have an opportunity to come home with uh, some hardware. I wanted to go back to the book for a minute. Uh, you know, it, it it spoke to me in terms of the way you wrote it as somebody who lost my own father this year and have been dealing with that and then a parent of young children learning sports with them. You said you want parents to read this because you want everybody to understand time so precious and they should spend time with their children because you never know what they're instilling. Can you talk more about why this is such an important read for parents? Well, a lot of reasons. And then kind of like you said, time is precious. And, um, you know, something is going to be instilled in your children. And it's whether you're doing it or they're in environment or atmosphere or friends or school or whatever is doing it. And the more you dive into your children's lives and you are the major influencer in their lives, um, they won't be as affected by outside pressures like peer pressures in school and things of that nature. And, and the more you're involved, uh, the more you'll understand them. And um, I think that is a huge part of it. I think it's also, for me, I think of sports and parents, you know, so many times I just see parents go about it the wrong way and yelling at their kids or trying to force them to do things. Uh, I thought my dad did in such a graceful way, which, you know, I hope I can do justice if I'm ever a parent to, to my kids. But he allowed me to find my own passions, and then he flamed that fire. You know, he never really made me do anything. He let me choose. We got all kinds of different sports experiences, and obviously I gravitated towards rugby and, and football and things of that nature. But when it came to 
um, doing those things that they, they was my decision. And then when it came to, to exercising and working out to try to get better, uh, those were always my choices. But the biggest part to that was he just had me, if, hey, if we're going to do something, we're going to do it all the way. It's your choice if you want to do it. But if we're going to do it, let's actually do it. Let's try to get something out of it. And I think being a professional athlete, sorry, is just too hard of a thing to do if you're not passionate about it for yourself, if you're doing it for other people. So, you know, I think it needs to be something inside of yourself if you're going to make it to that level. And, and I thought he did a good job of letting me find that myself. You know, piggybacking on that point, we've talked to so many athletes who say that they found their passion for sports, for the sport, that, that, that it wasn't their parent instilling it in them. That their parent would push them to be the best at it. But the, the great athletes are the ones that, when they were younger, were given the options and found that path that was their passion. Is that a lesson that you think parents can learn from, from what you did and the fact that you were able to pursue different things and then pick which one was the one that you loved? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, even kids, they're their own person, you know. You can't, if, if someone's artistic or does, likes to read books, you can't just make them want to be in the weight room or running around on a football field if that's not something they're passionate about. Um, I think you need to let people find out who they are and then flame their fire to be as good as they possibly can be at that. And, you know, ultimately it's, it's like we just spoke about, like his ability to just let me do what I wanted and then, you know, push me to, to get the most out of myself. That That's important because, like I said, it's just too hard at the highest level to do something um, – you know, the, all the workouts that we have to do, all the field work that you have to do, all the nutrition and the sleeping and, and the sacrifices you have to make for this sport, you're, you're not going to make it if you're doing it because, oh, I, you know, my dad wanted me to do this. You, at some point, you get in these tough days in the middle of the week, in the middle of a training camp where there's no escape and you got to want to do it every day yourself. It's, it's just too difficult of a task. So I think that is important for parents to understand is to let the kids be who they are and then embrace it and encourage them to be as good as they can on whatever they choose. I think that's a great place to leave it. The book is Finished Strong, A Father's Code and a Son's Path. Nate Ebner, we could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for the time. I wish you the best of luck with the book. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you having me, and uh, go, go get yourself a book. It's, uh, it's a cool story. Ultimately, I'd like to say it's just a great love story at the end of the day. Good luck with the Olympics, too. You take care. Thanks, man. Jeff, what a story. What a, what, a, what a story, what a person, what an interview. And, you know, this has been an interesting year for me. And so I didn't expect that when I read the book. Mm -hmm. I was not prepared for what I was reading, given what I've gone through emotionally this year. And, and it, it really, I related a lot. And I actually found it helpful for him. Um, we didn't talk about it. His father was murdered at a junkyard basically a week after he sat down to tell him that he was going to try to walk on to be a football player at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And um, the, his story is about carrying out his father's hopes and dreams through his own hopes and dreams, and it's just fascinating to, to read. It is a good book, and if you do get a chance, go out and get it. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, you'll, you'll leave. It's, it's written more almost as a, as, as a novel. The yeah. way that it reads? Sport, he said it. Sports were the vessel. To me, they were the backdrop in that. And I related mm -hmm. to that. Because, you know, we'll talk a little Father's Day to close the show for a minute. I've talked about it when my dad passed. The, 
the relationship with sports and my dad, and he had that with his dad through rugby. They found different things about rugby that they loved, but ultimately it was rugby that brought them together. For my dad and I, it was different things about sports that we loved, but we came together on that. We would have gone to the Father's Day game this week that was last week for this week. But right, and for those that aren't aren't athletes, even though even though we couldn't bond by, through the playing of sports, we're able to bond through watching sports and talking about and sports. Talking about and just, sports. I mean, for me, it's it it's been the joy of my life is is sitting next to my son at a sporting event and just talking to him about that and everything else that's going on. And I'm just now getting to experience as that. baseball goes for four hours. Well, the funny thing about that is my four year old thinks that the Phillies always go to the bullpen. <laughs> well, he's right. We sit down and watch a game in the first inning, Historic and he goes, when, when are they going to the bullpen? Yeah. And I'm like, no, it shouldn't be like that. It's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah. But it is fun to to start to throw the ball with my kids and, and play that. And I'm not the coach that you were yet, but to have those experiences. Well, so you can never be the coach for the, I was. <laughs> for the dads out there, for the people who play the role of father and parenting, I, I was lucky to have two dads growing up, uh, mm-hmm. amazing father-in-law. Um, I get to know a bunch of dads. Happy Father's Day to you all. Thank you all for what you do to to help your families. Jeff, any final thoughts? Ten seconds. Where's the champagne? Right, where Don't ice still, Jeff. What, it's what, waiting for you out here. What happened? I thought we were going to pop it on air. It just this this is it. Wait to take, until we're until we're here next week. I had something <laughs> profound, and you take it out on that. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night in potentially another studio to help you start your weekend in style. Or Have a street. great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.